invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 19. And if you don't have a Bible, there's a worship Bible in front of you, and you can find it on page 1040 in your worship Bible. Luke, chapter 19, starting at verse 28, and we're going to read through verse 40. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany and at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and you will enter it. You will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell him, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Jesus, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. invite you to just pause with me as we begin. Father, we thank you for this passage. Father, I would pray today that you would open our eyes and hearts to see the wonders of what we are going to be talking about today. I pray that we would see this truth from you today in a fresh way and just in a powerful way that touches and changes our lives. And so we commit our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's Palm Sunday. There are churches all around the world today that are preaching on this passage. And probably talking about a number of different topics. Some, many probably are probably talking about uh, the fact that Jesus is beginning his journey to the cross. And so, you know, it must have been quite a thing to wake up. Because Jesus knew that the time was near. And it must have been quite a thing to wake up and realize what was ahead of you in that week. Others are perhaps preaching on the fickleness of the crowd. You know, who one day was praising God, saying, Hosanna, and, and not long after that were crying, crucify him. Some are probably talking about the judgment that Jesus warned of for those who reject him as the Messiah. And many, I'm sure, are speaking on the fact that as Jesus rides into Jerusalem, he is proclaiming himself to be a king. Well, this morning I'd like to take us, I want to take you into the future. I want to take you a little bit beyond the moment here that we read about in the text today. And I'd like to remind us that 
You know, there is... Jesus says He's a king, and if there's a king, then there must be a kingdom. And so I'm going to invite you to think a little bit, me, uh, think with me a little bit about that kingdom this morning. You know, Jesus looks over Jerusalem, which was, of course, everybody thought that was the central place. You know, the king was going to come and reign in Jerusalem, and yet Jesus said Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. So what's this kingdom? that Jesus is talking about. <clears throat> in John 18.33, Jesus is before Pilate. I'd like you to just interrupt here in that conversation. I'd like you to listen to the words. Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked, Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, It was your people, your chief priests, who handed you over to me. What is it you've done? And here's a verse I'd like you to hear. Verse 36. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. My kingdom is from Another place. I don't know if you've ever pondered that. Jesus said, I have a kingdom, but it's, it's from another place. You, you can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't visualize it here. I am a king. You are right. I have a kingdom, but it's from another place. I don't think anyone in that day really understood it. But the question I'd like to ask you this morning is, do you think about that kingdom? Do you, do you dream about it? Do you imagine it? You know, do you ponder it? Are you preparing for it as you live your life out here? The Bible tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. I just renewed my passport last week. It just expired. Uh, so now it's good to, you know, 2021. And I was reminded that I am a U.S. citizen. I am able to get that passport. And yet... The Scriptures tell us that our citizenship, we really, ultimately, we shouldn't view our citizenship as, you know, of the United States of America. We find that the Bible tells us that we are foreigners and aliens in this country. That we are to set our minds on things above, not on things that are here. And so you may be a U.S. US citizen, but your real citizenship, biblically, is not here. It's not here. You may live under a president at this point in time whose name is Obama, but he's not your king. And so it's just very important to, to, to grab a hold of who we are and who our king is and where our kingdom is because we have no guarantees about what your U.S. citizenship might look like in the next 50 years. This morning, I'd like you to dream with me a little bit about this, this king and this kingdom. And what I'd like us to see this morning is what Jesus had in mind when he was on the road to Jerusalem and he was riding in as this king with a kingdom. I'd like us to see what he had in mind. And I, I believe it is such a powerful picture that we need to have in our minds. So, I'm going to invite you to turn with me way to the end of the story 
and we're going to focus in in the book of Revelation. We're going to go to the place where this kingdom is revealed. Revelation chapter 21. Here it is. You know, there's a verse that I used to quote for many years. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it even entered the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. I used to end it right there. You ever heard that before? I'd use that to talk about, you know, we just can't imagine. We can't even imagine. It hasn't even entered our mind what God has prepared. But you know what the next verse is? The next verse is, but God has revealed it to us through His Spirit. And so, to correctly use that verse, I would have to say, you know what? God has revealed to us things that our minds otherwise couldn't even imagine. So, what I, we're going to look at this morning is something that God has revealed to us through His Spirit. John is here. He's an old man. He's on the island of Patmos. He's survived. You know, none of the other disciples have survived. He's the only one. And God gives him this vision. And He gives it to, to give to a church which is wrestling and struggling and discouraged. And so if that's you this morning, this certainly is a vision for you. It is just an amazing thing. In fact, it's so amazing that John keeps pausing through this and he, he, twice he says, now you need to understand, this stuff's true. What I'm telling you is trustworthy and true. And so it was a very powerful vision that, that he had. So listen to the description of the kingdom. This is your kingdom. This is your home. So remember that as we go through this. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven. We're talking about a God who makes everything new. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Remember Jesus said, this Jerusalem you see in front of you is going to be destroyed. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and they are true. That's your home. That's the description of your king and your kingdom and your place of permanent citizenship. We are just passing through, as the old uh, spiritual says, we are aliens here. We are foreigners here. And so this is our place of eternal residence. We'll just take a few moments and we're not, we'll look at this. There's, an, there's another description in verses, chapter 21, verses 10 and on. That very detailed. We don't have time to go into that all this morning. But I want to just highlight three things. Here's the first one. This is a, what John saw was a new heaven and a new earth. 
Now, often we think of being redeemed uh, from things. Like, we think of being redeemed from our, from, I think the first thing probably is from our bodies here that are deteriorating, these bodies of flesh. Uh, We think of being redeemed from the world, that, we have a new place called heaven. I mean, often what we envision is that we're, you know, we're going to leave this, this planet that we're polluting and, and we're going to go to this new place called heaven. And the material world. I, I think that we have this somewhat of a vision that we're going to leave all this material stuff behind and we're kind of going into a, a spiritual world. But... Biblically, God is not someone who creates things and then throws them away. He's not. He, he redeems things. He, he restores things. He, he renews that which He has made. God doesn't have a junkyard where He deposits things that He has crafted. He comes and, and he, He's going to redeem our bodies. He is going to, as we read, He is making a new earth and a new heavens. He's not throwing it away. And so, the point here is that I believe there will be a connection. There will be a connection with your present body in the life to come. It won't be the same body, but there will be some connection. There will be a connection with this earth. There will be connection with our heavens. It will be, we don't know exactly how it will be different, how it will be renewed, but there will be a, a reworking of what God has already created. There are those who believe that God will destroy the earth. That it will just you know, disintegrate into nothing and He'll create a new heavens and new earth. But I don't think that's the sense that we get. There are two words that are used in the Bible. We see them in, in 2 Peter 3.10. And we find that in the, actually in the King James Version, the word there that is used is is different than some of the, the later translations. The word there means burned up or dissolved. The Greek word that's used in that text. But earlier manuscripts use a different word, and most of the translations now you'll find the ESV, uh, the NIV, use the other word that is used. And that word means, it literally means to be found out. It means to be exposed. It means to be laid bare. It's kind of like uh, in the spring in Roseau, we used to, I, I, <clears throat> I know I'm getting into one of my fire stories, but we used to burn everything again. And, you know, it was so nice about that. Now we have people come over and rake our yards and spend hours. It's so much easier just to strike a match, let me tell you. And we would just start that and, you know, get the garden hose out and all the junk and debris and dead and decayed stuff, it would just all get burned off and this fresh new green grass would sprout up. Well, that's kind of the picture here, is that this intense heat is going to come and, and all, the, all the, the earth is going to be laid bare and it's going to be exposed and God is going to renew and, and rework the earth and the same with the heavens. It's going to be radically different, but it is also going to be something that God works with that He has already made. In 2 Peter 3, 
verses 6 and 7. That is the text. Let me just read that for you. 2 Peter 3, 6 and 7. It says, By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Now notice it says that when the flood came, the world was destroyed. Well, it was destroyed, but the earth was still here. So when we say that God is going to destroy the present earth, it doesn't necessarily mean that the earth is going to be totally wiped off the map. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of God, ungodly men. So the, the analogy there is that just as God you know, once destroyed the earth with the flood, so he is going to destroy the heavens and the earth with fire, and it is going to come out differently but I, I believe in some ways it will be familiar to us. Just one other, uh, one other powerful text is taken, was written many, many years before John ever saw this, Isaiah 65. And just listen to these words. This is written now hundreds of years before Christ even came. Just listen as I read it. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight, and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem, take delight in my people, and the sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. So a powerful, powerful picture. Just one other example. In Romans 8, God says that all of creation says all of creation is longing. All of creation which is subject to decay is longing for this day. Now, let me ask you a question. If all of creation is longing for this day, and if that day means everything in creation is going to be destroyed, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. And so creation is looking forward to the renewal of creation in a way in which there's no longer decay and no longer pain. So, we see here a new heaven and a new earth. That's our home. Here's the second thing. It says that heaven is coming down to earth. Now, that's very interesting. We all think of us going to heaven, but here, heaven is coming down to earth. Heaven is not going to stay, this may sound kind of funny, but heaven is not going to stay in heaven. <clears throat> I mean, right now it's very clear that if, if I were to die or you were to die and, uh, and you are a follower of Christ, you would immediately be in the presence of God in heaven. But here we see heaven, you know, and we're assuming this is, we know this is people, this is God, this is the, the Son and, and all those who have died, but this heaven now is coming down to earth. Let me read verse 2. Just 
Look at that with me, if you would. Revelation 21, verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So what John sees here is he, he sees the holy city, which is described as Jerusalem. It's coming down, but it's not just a city. It's very personal. In fact, when John sees it, and you know, this is not an analogy you would usually make, but he says, when I saw it coming down, he said, like a bride, you know, beautifully prepared for her husband. So there was this very personal uh, this personal sense to what's going on here. It's not just about you know a city, a mortar and, and you know or you know whatever this city is made of. It's described in, in verses 10 and on. It's an incredible description. you know read through it sometime. But this is a great illustration. I, I know I use a lot of hunting illustrations and sports illustrations. So ladies, for you, this is a great illustration. It's a relational illustration. This new earth is going to be very relational. And so we see here this, this picture. We can all, you know, if, if, you're a, if you're a gal, you can envision what it would be like to be prepared for a wedding. If you're a guy and uh, you've ever been at a wedding, and if you've ever been married, you can envision what it's like to stand at the front and see a bride prepared, ready to come down the aisle. That's the, that's the feeling here that John gets. That's the vision here that is described. In Ephesians, Paul talks about marriage as a metaphor of what's to come. I, I think that is so true. I think that marriage is really just one of the things is to help us understand what it's going to be like I mean, just to get a taste of just kind of a shadow. Obviously, our, our marriages are not, you know, are fallen because we are fallen people. But it's a, it's a metaphor. And in these days, there were three steps to a, to a marriage. Number one was a dowry. If you like someone, you know, you had, to, you had to put up something to get them. It cost you something. If you couldn't afford the dowry, you couldn't go any farther. If you could afford the dowry, then you got betrothed. Betrothed was a commitment, it was covenant, it was binding, it was a definite covenant commitment that you made, but you were not yet, you did not come together yet in consummation of the marriage. You still lived in separate places, you had relationship with each other, but it was like a, an, a, a, even a more serious form of engagement in our present system. And then finally was the wedding or the marriage when the betrothal was consummated. So that's the picture of marriage in this day. That's a picture of marriage that John would understand. And so what we have here is Jesus Christ who has paid an incredible price, an incredible dowry for the bride. I mean, it cost him his own life. And then the next step is the betrothal. And, and really that's where we live as the church. We have betrothed ourselves to God. We live in separate residences. 
We have yet to come together and experience a relationship in, in the intimate way that it will one day be experienced. And so this picture here is really that moment of the church, the bride and the groom coming together. It's just a very, very relational, very powerful picture. And here's the last one. The third thing we see here, the picture here, is that God is dwelling with His people. So again, this is all about relationship. I mean, this heaven and, and this new earth is going to be so beautiful, it's going to be so amazing, but it's, it's really not about stuff. It's really not about scenery. I mean, that's going to be very enjoyable, but that's secondary. What it is going to be about, it is going to be about God in relationship with us and us in relationship with people. You know, what we see here should really excite all of you extroverts. Uh, you know, I have a picture in this heaven of maybe a secluded log cabin somewhere on a lake, you know, where maybe people stop by once a week <coughs> for an hour for supper. This is a city. This is a city. I like the country, but this is a city, and I've I, I got to believe it's going to be fun. i got to believe that those, you know, maybe those things that, that tire me out with being around people all day are going to be all gone. And I'm just going to love this. But this is a, you know, the picture here is this is a, a massive city that is coming down, and the, it's made up of the church, and God is there, and, and everyone is together. This is a party. This is a celebration. This is the marriage feast of the Lamb. Certainly, certainly in this new heaven and new earth, we are going to be able to experience, I think, the, the wonder of coming together in relationship and, and the joy of, of being on mountaintops and, and wherever that is. We're going to experience the full spectrum what it means to be alive and to experience joy. It is going to be a marvelous place. But the picture here is, you know, this is, this is not just a little town. This is a, this is a place of celebration. This is the marriage feast, the celebration of the wedding of the Lamb. And so I, I can't imagine a feast without food, can you? And uh, I, I think we'll probably eat. You know, Jesus ate in His glorified body. And so this is, a, this is a place of celebration, but it's not even about feasting. It's about the consummation of our relationship with our God. Let me just share one interesting little side note. The shape, it's described in detail there, this cubicle shape of, of Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven. And it's interesting that in the tabernacle, because one of the... One of the one of the translations says that God is now tabernacling, tabernacling with men. And in the tabernacle that they set up, there was only one thing in the tabernacle that was cubicle. There was only one thing that shaped exactly the way this holy city coming down is shaped. And you know what that was? That was the Holy of Holies that place where only the priests could go because it was so sacred, because God's presence was so real and so powerful, only the high priest could go there once a year. And so the picture here is really like the people of God are now living 
in the Holy of Holies. 24 hours a day we, we exist in this place of God's, this extreme experience of God's presence. And it's a, it's a powerful picture of what God has done through His Son. Well, let me bring this to a close. You know, there's three things that, that John says here. Three things that he re- continually keeps repeating. And I just want to mention them. Number one, he keeps saying, this is really going to happen. This stuff I'm writing, it's really true. It's really trustworthy. These words are trustworthy and true. It sounds pretty wild. But you know, you look at a sunrise, or you look at the fall colors, or you, you look at the birth of a new baby, and God is able to do some pretty amazing things. And so, the fact that God has prepared a kingdom as your king that is so incredibly marvelous, it's going to happen, John says. He was just so convinced as he experienced this vision. The second thing, all the way through the book of Revelation, that we need to know is that rejection will result in judgment. Now, those are not harsh words. Those are kind words, because if you don't know that, if you're not warned of that, that rejection results in judgment. Nobody's doing you any favors by not telling you the truth that apart from Christ, there is no forgiveness, there is no enjoyment of this experience as God's people. And so hell simply becomes that place for people who continually say to God, I don't want it. I for those that continually reject Christ, ultimately God will honor that in their lives. And then finally, and uh, this is taken from chapter 22 and verse 17. The third thing that John is saying is that it's just a simple word, come. God wants you to come. God would really delight in it if you would come. And verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. In other words, God wants to bless your life. He wants to thrill you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to save you. He wants to be your God. He wants to make all things new. You know, this, this morning I, I went out for a walk. I usually walk the dog, or the dog walks me. I'm not sure which it is. But I was just walking up Rib Mountain, looking up into the sky, thinking about it. I was kind of looking around at all the trees, and, you know, there's a lot of dead stuff, a lot of dead branches, decaying leaves, all kinds of stuff. And I was thinking of this text this morning and of this message. And I was, I was just pondering how... You know, it's so true. Just, it's like all of creation is, everything around me here is looking forward to this, what we read this morning. All of creation is longing and, and, and looking ahead to this. And then I thought about us. And I thought, you know, if we would sit down this morning with some paper, and if we would just begin to write about the longings and the unfulfilled desires and the groans and the pains and the disappointments in our lives. And, and I just thought, you know, just in this room alone, 
we would fill probably several volumes of things that are just going on right now in each of our lives. And, and it just struck me how much energy and that there is in all of, all, of the, all of this world, how much longing and the desire there is for this fulfillment. And, and what we have read this morning is that, you know, the Lord is, is saying that in this kingdom, in this place that He's preparing, in the home that God has promised for you, all of those longings and all of those groanings and, and all of those desires will be fully fulfilled. So, take courage, be strong, and continue to live in the awareness that you have a king and you have a kingdom, and it is going to be an incredible, incredible place. Father, we thank you this morning for this reminder of what you have in store, how you are truly a God that's going to make all things new. Father, I pray for anyone here today who has heard these words and is not in a personal relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Father, the Spirit of God says, Come. The Lord Jesus Christ says, come. The invitation is open. Uh, we've heard it described as this free gift that you have offered. And so, Father, might anyone here who has heard your spirit open their heart, might they just come this morning and receive the gift of forgiveness through your Son, the gift of life, and this amazing hope. Father, might we as your people just be sustained, might we anticipate, might we be faithful in, might we look forward to this day that is yet to come. And uh, Father, we look ahead to that day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.